0: God, we just thank you for that message that we have of hope. And, Lord, I just pray, God, that that message of Christ and the love and the redemption word, God, just resonate in our life. And, Lord, we just give you honor and glory for all the good things that you have given us through your son Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Would you give the band a hand for a great job? This is Chad and Natalie Weiss. If you don't know them, you're not getting out of a sermon, so don't get your hopes up. But <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going to interview Natalie and Chad. She, uh, Natalie is a nurse practitioner, and she works around here. And she also works with Samaritan's Purse International Response Team. And she went to Ukraine in March and April and has got, uh, I think, a neat story to share with us and, and that I want you to hear. They have two beautiful daughters, Collier and Caroline. Y'all been members of the church about two years now, haven't you? And wonderful, wonderful people if you don't know them. He's kind of shady, but she's great. Uh, did I get an amen for that? <laughs> Uh, he's a great guy too. Our church, by the way, we've given about $13,000, a little over $13,000 for Ukraine causes, and then hopefully we'll give more in the, in the days ahead. But Natalie, did, let's, a map of Ukraine, this is helpful. Uh, t- kind of tell us what you've told us in the other two services, Natalie.
2: Sure, um, so if you follow the news much at all, um, Ukraine is in direct uh, war with Russia right now, and so The battle right now is over the eastern region of Ukraine. So everything east of that river flowing through Ukraine is um, in direct conflict with Russia. That's where ground troops are right now. And so I can tell you, I served in the west, west of the river. Um, I can't say much more than that, but I did have to leave through, um, exit the country through Lviv, which is the far left city, and it was under significant air air raids yeah
1: that's a that, that's a hot spot isn't it is a it? hot spot did, so. why didn't you not fly out of somewhere else
2: well you can't fly out of the country at all you just have to drive you're just oh, driving
1: through okay. so
2: we have a, one of our main hub stations is in Lviv.
1: okay Ooh, okay well good well that's why you flew out of there wasn't it how long were you there natalie
2: i was there 30, 30 days i think something like that right, 30.
1: Thir- 30 days and, and you've been on trips like this before <laughs> Uh, how many trips have you been on, like, with Samaritan's Purse? Um,
2: this was my fourth disaster trip, um, my first one in a war zone, so it's a very, uh, very different environment there. Um, I've done numerous other medical mission trips.
1: Right. Now, I asked her immediately the boy question, did you hear gunfire? You know, that's what guys want to know. Was there shooting? Did you hear that? Tell, tell us about that, Natalie.
2: So, thankfully, no. I did not hear any um, direct hits or war of fire, firearms and stuff like that, Um, we heard air raids every day, air raid warnings that there was a missile attack, missile launch, but uh, the U.S. has been very generous and given some very wonderful uh, missile defense systems to Ukraine that that really served to protect us.
1: I told Natalie and Chad that when Cindy and I were in Israel in 2013, we were at a spot where you could look and hear Syria, and Syria was in a war then, and we, we would hear gunfire, and it was November, I thought it was just duck season over there, that wasn't, it wasn't that, I mean, they were like, these weren't rednecks shooting at squirrels, you know, like I grew up, that's what, you heard that all the time, we were killing squirrels, but these were people killing people, and that's, that ups the ante, mm-hmm. doesn't it, certainly does, and, and, and not, not, in a, not in a good way. Day in and day out, tell us what you were doing.
2: Day in day out, I worked primarily um, kind of a quick care outpatient treatment center, um, I was working in a city that has about 200,000 residents uh, that live there normally. And then on top of that, there was 100,000 refugees. So if you can, the health system was just overwhelmed. But the majority of the care were for um, those refugees who had just recently left the conflict zone. And so most of them had lived in a bomb shelter, a basement for a week, two weeks, three weeks, um, malnourished, dehydrated wounds, direct wounds affiliated with the war, uh, honestly, it's all kinds of things that between mm-hmm. physical, emotional, and even sexual trauma.
1: Been they rape, a lot of stuff yes, going on. Yes,
2: if you've heard it on the news, it's, it's pretty accurate. Mm.
1: Well, that's the only word, place the news is accurate. Yeah, right. that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that, I read Fox News. <laughs> that's good news. <laughs> Natalie, I, I love the story you shared about, pra- about praying, <laughs> praying with, praying with the, the people that you were ministering to. Tell, share that with the group.
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. Ukraine is a predominant... Ukraine is a Orthodox Christian country by religion. So that is similar to Roman Catholic as far as ritualistic in their hierarchy system. And then it is a works-based religion only. And it is very uh, uncommon for someone to offer prayer to someone uh, that's not a priest. And so Samaritan's Purse is a gospel-focused, God-based organization that is focused on the on salvation of souls first and foremost and so we offer prayer to every patient every individual that we come in contact with and so i'm offering prayer to these people and i got numerous times questions back to me well how much does it cost and i finally asked my interpreter i'm like why do they keep asking that she's like because here you can't pray for another person unless you're the priest and the priest doesn't pray for you until you've given a tithe. And it broke so many walls down. I would have a very benign conversation about their health, their wound, just medical conversation. And then at the end, just offer to pray for them. And I look up from a prayer where you've just, you've put your hand on their shoulder and you've prayed a very specific prayer for that person and their family. And you pick your head up and they're just they're just crying just completely broken from what was a hard outer shell to now just a broken individual who's just touched by jesus in that prayer mm. and that little two to three minute conversation with you and that person in jesus it just uh, just blew open the comfort that they felt comfort knowing they're in the hardest part of their life fleeing have nothing on their but the clothes on their back and the comfort that God has given them in that moment
1: that's, that's incredible we've thought about going with a we we pray if you pay model here <laughs> just kidding. but I mean you think about that we don't pray for you unless you pay us that that is just that's heartbreaking isn't it? I mean it really is it's that's really 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 sad Natalie we uh, <clears throat> we know that it was hard to leave the girls it was easy to let Chad go for a month that's uh, all of us who've been married long know that you know pretty, it's easy. But tell you know, okay, how do you make that decision? I mean, man, your 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 husband, your kids.
2: Yeah, it's hard. This was this was a hard one on the fact I missed a lot of big things in our life and in our kids' life on this one. And so um, this isn't something that just came up out of the blue. I, I don't just up and go to Ukraine for a month, you know. So God has been orchestrating Himself in our life together in this capacity for years um i started doing medical mission trips 10 years ago four years ago i started working with samaritan's purse and it's um he just he grows your faith a little at a time and every every little step of equipping you and equipping you for the next one and the next one to where we were it, it was probably maybe a shock to some people that i left for ukraine it wasn't in our home you know, and it was something that God has um, been preparing us for, for for a while. And leaving the kids is hard. That's the hardest thing. Um, the first thing. I, yeah, but, you just heard his feelings. But I was about to get to. I was about to get. Um, but to be honest, it makes it so much easier when I know that someone like this is at home with my kids. Amen. And our kids. Our kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, Chad is uh, awesome, and he's a rock star. And he's the first person I call. I get texts frequently about uh, different disasters, and Chad's the first person I call. And I'm like, Chad, can we do this? Um, Can I? Can Can we? Can we? Can I be gone for this amount of time? Because he is the one that is. He is deep in wisdom and discernment and i trust and i trust that from him and so he's the first person i go to for even that guidance
1: that's that's great well chad we'll go to you okay so you 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 know we we're we're christians and we believe that man is the leader he's not the dictator but you obviously if you would have told natalie i don't want you to go i think she would have honored that but how do you release that and
3: uh. Yeah, so it's definitely not spur of the moment, but the call is always spur of the moment. She usually has forty-eight <laughs> hours to go, yeah. Yeah. and so um, man, it, it's a it's a marriage a marriage decision whenever you're leaving for any period of time. And I'm thankful to have a wife that is just. You know is in tune with all that's that's going on and and looks for a blessing you know from me mm-hmm. so we'll be on board and everything with the kids at home will be pushing forward, and we're together on it and so for me whenever um you know she she goes on a lot of mission trips, but this one in particular, where there's bullets flying right you know indirectly thankfully, but uh man God told me on a friday morning i'll I'll never forget it you know it's it's those times in life when you do work up to god is giving you you know direction and you see it more clearly and more clearly it was one of those times and i was i just dropped the kids off for school and he was like hey whenever um she gets called to go to ukraine because i knew it was probably coming the answer is yes. You need to tell her it's good. And before, I had to call her before I chickened out because a lot of times <laughs> they're like, ah, we'll, we'll check that in a couple of days, you know, make sure that's right. And uh, anyway, so I called her and said, hey, if, if you get the call, then you, you need to go. I, I don't know when that is. And again, we, you know, we, we have activities seven days a week. Um, you guys know if you have kids, um, man, that are, you know, anywhere from six to 16, it's every day of the week, you know, during this time of life. And so, um, she said, yeah, they, they've actually just mobilized yesterday. I know you didn't know this, but uh, thank you for calling and saying that. I'm already on board. I've done break about it, you know, and good to go. So, you know, f- for that, you know, for me, it, it, is, it is 100% a God thing. And then he confirms it on the backside. And mm-hmm. I, what I've told other services, we've never felt prayer like we have over that 30-day period. You know, a lot of you that knew, we couldn't tell everybody because of security reasons, but a lot of you that knew were praying for us. People that I didn't even know, you know, that had family members that I found out afterwards. But there were times in my life back here at home with the kids, and man, you know, it, it went so fluently. But any time I tried to get off track, you know, and and be fleshly, man, God would send somebody. I, I mentioned Melissa uh, Shipley earlier. She sent Justin a text, and he was just sitting with me. He's like, "Hey." Melissa just sent me this. Let me read this, and man, it was just exactly what I needed at that time. Hmm. And it, you know, it was it was a, I needed that to get through that last push to go through. And so God told me that day. He said, "Look, this I didn't give you this because of your faith. I gave it to you because of the people that are praying for you in your church and your communities."
1: So. That's awesome. <clears throat> that that is awesome. Uh, I'm going to ask Natalie one other question in, in just a moment. But if you were if you're interested in serving with Samaritan's Purse. Natalie, I'm sure any time you bump into her around here at church, would love to talk to you about it. If you call the office this week and say, hey, I want to talk to Natalie, you can leave your name and number. She'll get back with you. But she'd love to to get you connected with this group. And And it's, it is a great, great organization. It does a lot of great ministry. Natalie, I guess the last thing, uh, and one thing I wanted to say that Chad said, Chad said, uh, a lot of times, we know what God tells us to do and we intend to do it, but we don't act immediately and we chicken out. Mm-hmm. God may tell you something in the next 30 minutes that you need to do. Don't, don't chicken out. Don't, don't, do what God tells you to do. Don't, don't chicken out. Natalie, tell, tell the folks here, how do you take up your cross, which was the instrument of death. It wasn't like a bad back or a bad wife. You know, it was an instrument of death. How do you take up your cross and and follow Jesus, especially when it comes to something like this?
2: Um, well, it, it starts with the every day. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's taking up your cross every day. Right. And that looks like um, every day a decision to love God and to love his people and to make disciples. Um, no matter where we are and what season of life we're in or what stage of life we're in, that call on our life is the same every day love Jesus, love his people, and make disciples, and we can do that wherever we are. I think that um, decisions like this, like I said, they go into Ukraine for a month, it came, it came in steps in our life, and, and being obedient to this, and then God calls you to this, and you're obedient to that. Um, I've been disobedient a lot of times, and I've been disobedient to a, to a large call in my life before to serve in Iraq, and, and chickened out, and mm. and it has, and it ate at me, and then that... And I carried that, that guilt and that wrestled with that. And, it, and it's part of why we are so much more um, focused, way ahead in praying about what God wants in our life, rather than just waiting for this random opportunity. We, we, we look for opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, we say a church phrase, well, if that door opens, if God opens that door, then I'll walk through it. Let me tell you people, that door is open. It's open right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of doors open. And it just takes saying yes and being faithful. And when you do, let me tell you there's no joy, there's no joy greater than serving God. And there is no joy in contentment. And it is an absolute blast to be in God's will, serving God's people, and seeing people meet Jesus for the first time. There's nothing more exciting and fun than that. And,
1: and I think a cool story we didn't touch on, but that the you saw interpreters, people who we all get, get saved.
2: We did. We um, talk about salvation stories. Our interpreters we work with, they were young, 19, 20 year old college kids who were, who were dual majors, majoring in English language, and they they grew up in a culture just like here. Religion and faith is really absent in that demographic, you know. And so we are just. Uh, there's lots of people we come through in phases a month at a time and a month at a time of and different people without with Samaritan's Purse funneling through this location and they were consistently seeing the love of Christ through every everybody so I had an interpreter one time he told me he said you Americans are weird I was like okay Amen. and he says you Americans you're nice you're always smiling you're always buying stuff for people because we bought them coffee and um, he's like, it's just weird. And I said, Dima, that is not American. So said, that is Christian. Mm. Amen. God-loving people love people. And, and it clicked for him. And it just started clicking, and he started asking questions. And, and he came to know the Lord along with numerous other um, local nationals who had worked with us. That is
1: so awesome. Would, would you give these guys a hand? let's pray. God, thank you for Chad and Natalie. Thank you so much for their love for you and for people. God, I thank you for what they mean to me and our church and so many people, Lord. And I pray that the words of this testimony, God, will pull on our hearts and that we will say yes to you, whatever that means. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning again. Well bad morning. Good morning. (laughs) Well it is great to see you. Those of you who are online with us thank you so much for tuning in today. How many of you are good at putting stuff together? Any of you? have some I say I see some hands humbly you're worried I'm going to ask you to do something that's why you're like doing it like this I'm I'm really bad at putting stuff together when I was in college I worked on a construction company for four years and I was the clean up fix it I mean I wasn't the fix it guy I was a cl- I cleaned it up I broke it a lot of times, and then I cleaned it up again. But I didn't have a hammer, or I wasn't laying bricks. I was the guy that, that was the grunt guy, and that's when I knew I had to be a preacher. I couldn't do anything else. But if we have something that at home needs to be put together, normally my wife does it. But if I do it, I've got to look at the box. I need the model. I don't need the 500 pages of instructions written in little bitty tiny print like that. And if you're an engineer here, you're going, no, 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 no. I need the instructions. I, and, and, you know, I know people who can. They, they don't want to look at the box or the model. They can just take it out and read the instructions and put it together. And good for you. I can't do that. But really, truly, you, you probably need both to some degree. And in, in Ephesians 5 this morning, we're going to see a powerful passage that that talks about the model and the instructions and so my main thought for you this morning is I want us to follow the model and live out the instructions I want us to follow the model and live out the instructions and we're going to begin with the model and so I'm going to challenge you first of all let's follow the model Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 listen to what it says be imitators of God therefore as dearly loved children I hope you take notes and if you do the little word be there It literally means to become. It means to accomplish something. And it's an ongoing tense. In other words, he's saying, what I want to challenge you to do is not something... That you're gonna. So I'll do it today, and I never have to do it again. No, it's an ongoing thing that you're the rest of your life. You're 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 wanting to be uh, to accomplish, and it's to imitate God. The word imitate there in your Bible literally means to mimic. Now, when I think of mimicking someone, I think of making fun of them. I don't think of it being a positive thing, but this is a good thing to imitate. He goes, I want you to imitate me. And imitating God is imitating Jesus. If you're taking notes, in 1 John 2, 6 it says, if you're a Christian, you should be like Jesus. You should be like Jesus Christ. And and he says, I want you to imitate me like a kid does its parent. Now kids are kids are wonderful. They they go through stages, right, Michael? Y'all go through stages. When you're little, they love the parents. If you notice that parents, then they become older and we're not is smart anymore, right? Is that a safe way of putting it? Young people, your parents kind of lose some of that intelligence. And then when you get 30, you realize your parents weren't as dumb as they. They used to be, but we want to imitate our parents. When I was a little boy, I, I'd want to shave, not because I was mature and had a, a beard at age four, because my daddy shaved, and he used to always say, son, you're not going to want to do this when you get older. He was right, and, and here's how dumb I was as a kid. I even got a toy lawnmower, because my dad would mow the yard, and I'd follow him around out there and thought it was so good, and, and now when I'm mowing the yard, I'm going, you know, the nursing home doesn't sound so bad eventually. <laughs> I've seen, <laughs> I've heard stories of, of parents who, who smoked and they would see their three and four-year-old kids, thank goodness they didn't have a, a lit cigarette, but walking around the house with a cigarette in their mouth. Because, why? But because they, they love their parents and they see that their parents do it. And Jesus says here, the word of God says here, I want you like a child who loves mom and daddy, imitates them, I want you to imitate me. Folks, Jesus is the perfect example. He's perfect in everything he said. He's perfect in everything he did. We've had the bracelets. We've had the t-shirts that says WWJD. What would Jesus do? What a great way to live. What a great way to live. How different would your life be and my life be if we truly pause to say before every major thing in our life, and before the normal casual things, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus, how would he act, how would he behave? There's a great book, I would encourage you to get it. It's a, it was written in the 1800s, I think, called In His Steps. It's a, it's a novel, it's a fictitious story of a church that decided for one year they were going to try to do everything as a church and as individuals by the principle, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And as the story unfolds, it changes the church's life. It changes the individual's life. God says this, listen, Jesus was perfect everything he said. He was perfect in everything he did. You want a model that's going to lead you the right way, live by what would Jesus do? Let him be your model. But to live out the model, you do need to know the instructions, by the way, because it's not subjective. And that's the second thing I want to challenge us today is to live out the instructions. Follow the model, live out the instructions. Jesus and Paul lived in a Greek world. And the Greeks valued orators, speakers greatly. And they said, how do you become a great speaker? And they said it was by three ways. You did it by mimic, by imitation. You found someone who was a great speaker and you learned what they did well and you tried to not be a copycat, but you tried to emulate that, tried to be like that. You learned to be a great speaker by theory, by study, by reading how to be a great speaker and then by doing it. That's how you live out the Christian life you follow the model, you live out the instructions, and you just simply do what the Bible tells us to do. It's not exhaustive today, but I want to give you three big instructions that he tells us here. Here's the first thing, live a life of love. Live a life of love. Man, how these go with the model of imitating Jesus. In verse 2, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering, and a sacrifice to God. The word love there is that great Bible word agape it means that you choose to love someone you choose to act loving to them you choose to be benevolent to them it's not romantic it's not emotional it's not about feeling it's about making a choice to love people love them sacrificially be willing to serve and to give yourself for other people that's how you show people you love people by the way and and Jesus is the perfect example how did Jesus show sacrificially he loves you died on the cross died on the cross. And the Bible says when Jesus died on the cross, that sacrificial love, that was like the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament. It was a pleasing aroma to God. See, in the Old Testament, people would bring animals, they would bring grain, they'd bring things to sacrifice. They'd bring it to the priest, and when the person's heart was right, the priest's heart's right, the sacrifice was appropriate, they'd burn it on the altar, and figuratively, they said that smell and aroma went up to God, and it was sweet and pleasing to God. Man, don't you want your life to be a, a sweet aroma to God? I mean, you want to be a skunk for Jesus or you want to be perfume for Jesus, right? You, you want to be a sweet aroma, God says, listen, here's the model, here's the instructions. You can be religious all day long, but man, if you don't love people, you don't love people sacrificially, visibly, really love people, you're missing it completely. Follow the model, live out the instructions. And the first instruction is to love other people. Here's the second thing, don't be greedy. We've been nice up to this point. We're fixing to get hard, but we gotta hear it. We need to hear it. Now, I wanna pause and tell you this. I've said this several weeks, but I think on some of this stuff, it really needs to hit home. God, through Paul, originally was speaking to the church or a group of churches in Ephesus, okay? He wasn't writing this, to the bad people. He wasn't writing this to people who uh, initially were far from God. Although he knew in a church there are people who aren't Christians. He knew and hoped that there'd be people hearing it who are far from God, just like we do. Every week we hope there's a number of people here who don't belong to God. We hope there's a number of people far from God who will change that, make that decision change this morning. But these words were written to a church and to people professing to be Christians. We need to hear this. Don't be greedy. Look in verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed these are improper for God's holy people this was obviously a problem there at the church in Ephesus that word greedy it means to covet we don't use that word much it's an ugly word to covet means I want what you have but I want it in a bad way I'm jealous of uh, of your spouse or you're jealous of my spouse and you you want them or you look at my boat, which I don't have, or you look at my Mercedes, which I don't have, and you envy that, and you want that, and you're jealous of it. The concept of greed is, man, is this an American word. pray it's a Rustin word. Nothing ever satisfies us. There's never enough house, there's never enough cars, there's never enough money, there's never enough stuff. We've got more and more and more and more and more. And man, that leads to a bad place. First, First Timothy 6.10 is a really important verse. It's often misquoted. What it says is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money's evil. It doesn't say working and making money and having money. It doesn't say that's evil at all. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. In other words, when you start chasing the dollar, you start worshiping the dollar. You'll blow God off, you'll, you'll cheat other people, you'll, you'll do things you would never do when you fall in love with the dollar. In Vermont last week, 28-year-old man named Nathan Carmen was arrested. He was charged with murdering his mama. Been an ongoing investigation for a number of years. They were out on a boat in the ocean and he came back and she didn't. He said she fell off and I couldn't find her. He's now also a suspect in the murder of his grandfather who was shot in the ha- his home. Why is he a suspect? Well, granddaddy had a lot of this. Granddaddy, when granddaddy died, $29 million was getting split amongst the family. And with Nathan's mama out of the way, he was going to get her $7 million share of bucks. The prosecutors just drew a line and were able to say, hey, this is what's happened. Wow. Most of us would say, How am i am not going to kill? I'm not going to kill my granddad and my mother for money? No, but we'll, we won't be in church. We won't follow Jesus. We'll compromise our moral and our ethics. He says, don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't Listen, use money and things. Love people and God. Don't be greedy. Here's the next thing he tells us. Be morally and sexually pure. Be morally and sexually pure. I want to pause again and say, He's writing this to a church. Hmm. I'm guessing the people in Ephesus needed to hear this. I'm guessing the people in Rustin need to hear this. Verse 3, listen to what he says. But among you there must not be a hint, not even a tiny bit, not even the thought of sexual immorality, or any kind of impurity, or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, folks, that phrase sexual immorality is a gigantic concept in the New Testament. In the the Greek language of the New Testament, it's one word, pornea. We get our word pornography for that. But here's what sexual immorality, pornea, means. Here's why this is so important. It's all-inclusive. First, we would say it means adultery. What's adultery? Adultery is that you're married and you have sex with someone you're not married to. And I want to go ahead and just say this without going into details. Sex is a lot more than just intercourse. So don't play silly games with God, okay? It includes fornication. Fornication is people who aren't married having sex. Again, much more than just intercourse. It includes homosexuality. It includes incest. I mean, it includes pornography and our lust. Jesus said in Matthew 5 to, to lust after someone is to commit adultery in your heart. It certainly has different social consequences but can lead down the same road. And he says there shouldn't be a hint of these things in your life. Not one hint. Wow. Hmm. Sex is between a biological man and a biological woman in marriage. That is the only context in God's framework where it's right. Did you hear that? the culture 2,000 years ago. This is interesting because it seems like old people have always said, it's never been worse, never been worse. You heard that? I heard that all growing up. You young people, you are terrible. Never been worse. Well, okay, whatever, Grandpa. Grandpa didn't know his history as well as he thought he did. Rome, where Paul was often writing or we wrote to, was a powerful book in the New Testament. Rome was a place known for its Sexual perversion. Corinth, First and Second Corinthians. Man, it was a sexually perverse place. And in fact, and in the church, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul lets them have it because a, a young man in his church marries his stepmom and the church people are like, oh, we're so proud of you. And he says, kick the guy out of church, not to be mean, so he'll repent. And you guys have lost your mind. Thessalonians... 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, the city of Thessalonica, sexual issues, perversions. And here we're talking about Ephesus. Ephesus was a place that had what they considered one of the wonders of the world. It was the temple of Artemis and Aphrodites. Magnificent place, beautiful place, One of the main statues was a perverted sexual statue as you walked in. In their temple worship, they provided prostitutes for temple worship. They didn't think anything about in this day and age, no, not a church or or a Jewish synagogue or anything, Jewish temple, but these people thought nothing. If they got ready to build a pagan temple, they would finance it by prostitution. Can you imagine? Well, we need to build a new worship center. We'll just sell some meth and have some prostitutes and we'll pay it off in a year or two. Can you imagine? No, you can't, but that's how wild and woolly these people were. So God's not addressing anything in America different today than he was 2,000 years ago. But where are we today in our country? We're not in a good spot. And and I think the thing that, it doesn't surprise me that it's pushed on us on television all the time. I mean, all the time. Movies, you got to be careful what you watch, what you let your young people watch obviously your phone and other things where there's so many opportunities. But I think the thing that's really getting to me is our government is ramming a lot of sexual improprieties down our throats today. People who've studied this say the sexual things in America kind of busted loose. In 1953, when Hugh Hefner introduced Playboy magazine. And in the 60s, you had the hippie era where drugs and free sex was made popular. In the 80s, you could go to video stores and rent hardcore porno without having to go to some slimy movie theater to watch it. And we've kind of gone downhill since then. We just more and more and more free with, with everything. 2015 in America, we legalized gay marriage. There's a push now to legalize prostitution. You need to hear this, this is interesting. We have politicians who wanna legalize prostitutions, but 89% of people who are in prostitution, most of them are females, there are male male prostitutes too, 89% desperately want out because it's so horrible, but yet our government wants to legalize it? Think about that, that's incredible. Dallas Morning News, Dallas is the the buckle of the Bible belt. The Dallas Morning News newspaper a week or two ago, a big article about an LGBTQ parade coming to town and how this will show us how we need to be and how we need to do and how we need to live. Wow, it's infiltrating the churches. A cardinal in Europe of one denomination, Jean-Claude Hollerick, said the church needs to revise its teachings on sexuality. No, we don't. Hey, dude, we've got the book. We're not changing it here. We don't need to revise our teachings. Naples, Florida, yesterday, the United Church of Christ in Naples, Florida had an event for your 18 and 12 year old. The LBGTQ community sponsored it. They were going to end it with pizza and a drag queen show for your kids. Wow. And God tells us let there not be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity because these are improper for God's people. Verse four, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talking, coarse joking, which are out of place rather than thanksgiving. Sometimes we, we, we say, well, you know, I would never commit adultery, but the things we say, the way we talk, our language is vile and vulgar. Yeah, there's different social consequences, but God says, man, if you belong to me, if you're my child, I want you to be different I want you to be different in verse 8 through 13 for you were once darkness that's every person who's a Christian today at one time was not a Christian and the contrast is is darkness and light but now you're you're the light in the Lord in Matthew 5 Jesus says we're the light of the world live as children of the light in other words stop doing these things you shouldn't do For in the fruit of light consists in the goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10 through 13. Find out what pleases the Lord. We're hearing it. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. You're a Christian. God says you're light. How do we expose darkness? Number one, just by being who you're supposed to be. You know, you strike a match in a dark place. It doesn't have to say anything. It draws attention, doesn't it? It helps dispel darkness. By by you being loving and sweet and kind and pure, you know what? You're a light in our world today, aren't you? But also, you dispel darkness by being bold enough in love to speak the truth. That's my job, for sure. But you know what? It's not just my job. I'm not your priest who does it all for you. you you're you in, in, in this game with me. And we dispel darkness by speaking up and telling the truth, by having the courage to do that. And I want to share with you the, 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 the next thought here, and that's this, the stakes are really high. The stakes are really high. At least that's what God says. Meaning, obviously, you can ruin your marriage, you can ruin your life, you can end up in a bad spot in a lot of ways but look at this for this you can be sure God says I don't want you to doubt this for this you can be sure no immoral impure or greedy person such a person is an idolater they're worshiping these things sex money whatever not God has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God let me paraphrase and make this simple here's what God was saying here If this is you or me, you ain't going to heaven. You can switch that today. You can switch that today. But that's not your your flight plan right now. Now, that needs some explanation. Does that mean if you struggle with materialism, that you're not a Christian? No, that's not what he's saying. Does that mean if you struggle with, with sexual things... That you're not a, a Christian? No, that's not what he's saying. But what he's saying here is clear as can be said is that if, if greed and money and things drive my life, that's an indicator the Holy Spirit doesn't live in me. And I'll say this as nice as I can. If you can have sex with anybody and everybody and sleep well at night, man, I love you, but the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you. And you need to give your life to Christ today. It's so fixable, but it's like going to the doctor and him saying, you got two weeks to live if we don't get that fixed, but we can fix it, and you can live a long time. That's what the Lord's saying here. That's pretty strong. And in verse 6, he kind of puts a little bit of chocolate syrup on it. Not in a good way, maybe, but I mean, he, he adds to it. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. What he's saying there is he's saying, you can find a preacher, you can definitely find a politician, you can, you can find movies and stuff that are gonna tell you stuff. It's not like this at all. But all I did this morning is plagiarize from God, right? Right? You can find empty, vain words, in other words, that that may sound good and may come from somebody who's in a power position and who's a great speaker and who's powerful, but it's not true. Empty words. We are living in an era in America of empty words. In Washington, D.C., in our Congress this week, where you would think that the most intelligent people we have are (laughs) <laughs> and and they're interviewing people who you think are the most intelligent people in the country. A very unintelligent conversation happened. They're talking about the Roe versus Wade, the abortion issue. Kind of a hot topic now. And a, a lady from Texas who is a, a pro-choice and a, a strong pro-abortion advocate was being interviewed by one of our congressmen. And in the, in the interview was kind of going silly. And so finally he asked her, he said, can you can you tell a difference in a man and a woman? And she says, I think anybody can be a man who wants to be a man. Anybody can be a woman who wants to be a woman. So he started playing along with it. He asked her, do you think a man can get pregnant? She said, yes, I do. Do you think a man can have an abortion? And she said, yes, I do. You know what the Bible calls that? Vain, empty talk. That's just noise. I did not do well in biology in college, but I know better than that. And God says, "Don't you be deceived." That's why you got to be in church as much as you can. You need to be in your Bible because that stuff's getting poured on us. Don't be deceived by that. I read this week of a family that plays a game at night with their kids. They watch TV together, and they name the name of their game is "Spot the Lie." When they hear a lie on a news station or on a TV show, something that's untrue, they see something, they spot it. And when they do, they get a reward. Wouldn't that be great? Cindy, we're going to start playing that, and I get a little Debbie every time I spot the lie. I'll weigh 400 pounds in a month, but I'll be happy. And I'll spot the lie, too. But think about that. Hey, you know what, though? You've got to have a good model, and you've got to have good instructions to spot the lie. God says, man, don't be deceived by vain, false, junk being poured down your kids' throats and our throats. Don't be deceived by that. Years ago, before we had the the technology we have today, a, a big naval ship was coming in, they thought, towards land. They weren't sure because, again, they didn't have the technology we do. And it's rainy, it's foggy, it's very dark, and they they see a light in the distance and the, the captain's up on the bridge and so he tells his signalman tell that that ship or that light he thinks it's a ship to go 10 degrees south so they flash it to the guy and they get a flash back. no you go 10 degrees north well this guy was a captain so it ticked him off and he said I'm a captain I said you turn 10 degrees south They get back a response, I'm a seaman third class, (laughs) which is pretty low down. I said 10 degrees north, the captain's hot. You know, he's thinking, I get a hold of this little guy, I'm going to wear him out. So they signal back, I'm a battleship, you go 10 degrees south. They get a quick response back, I'm a lighthouse, you go 10 degrees north. The lighthouse wins every time, doesn't it? See, God's our lighthouse. The Bible, in the, in the model of Jesus, our lighthouse, they're built on the rock. They're built on the solid place. They're built up high. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how the waves are rolling in or how the wind's rolling in or how foggy it is. The lighthouse is always in the same spot. It's always true. It's always sending out that light. Sometimes it's faint, but it's sent out not because God is mean and trying to curtail your life and take away your fun. It's because he wants to protect you. Man, we need to find the lighthouse, the model and the instructions and stay chained to them. So what do we need to do right now? Maybe through everything we've done today, the Holy Spirit's popping you and you're not a Christian. Maybe maybe it is because some things in your life that just don't bother you that should that he's talking to you. Maybe... Maybe you just, maybe it's not that. You just realize you don't know Christ. I want to plead with you, come give your life to Christ today. If you're watching at home, stay with us. If you're here, I will lead you in a moment to, to, to accept Christ. But Man, give your life to Christ today. If you're looking for a church to join, I really humbly believe this. We're going to be a lighthouse church. We're going we're gonna to stay chained to the model and chained to the instructions. You can join after church or online or you can come right now and join us. Man, I wish you would if God's leading you. Some of you are Christians. Man, you're in a good spot today. You're, you, you know you're not perfect, but you're not struggling with these things. Stay humble. Stay on the course. Maybe you know you're a Christian, but you're struggling with some of these issues. I want to challenge you Where you're standing, come get on your knees at the altar, your knees at home, and get things right with God today. Let's stand as the Lord leads you. You come. We'll be waiting on you.
0: My strength indeed is small, child of we Just watching finding me, thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I knew. Sin hath left a crimson stain, He washed in white and sweet. Now, indeed, I find Thy power in thine alone can change the leper's spots and mend.
1: I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. This morning, again, as a Christian, man, if it's coming back to God, if it's getting things right, whatever you need to do, do that this morning. And if you're here and you're watching and you're not sure you're a Christian, maybe you know you're not, but you're ready today, pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sin. Jesus, I accept that you're God's Son and that you died and that you arose for me. And I ask you to come into my heart today. I ask you to save me this morning.